0: This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay Voices on Air.
1: We're not going to do any recording.
0: Luke is not doing any recording today.
1: I mean, to, feel, abstaining? I to be fair,
0: you're, you're not actually doing any. I press the button that is record. Press I press the, bu- the button that it, stops it. A you very very do big nothing. You just talk.
1: You've tuned into us.
0: Once again, on I'm a sorry, study guys. in literacy
1: <laughs> where it's just full of flat doodle.
0: It is. Nothing really
1: makes sense.
0: No, but Wardini books are proud sponsors of us. They are. Anyway. That's
1: real. Yep. I know that's real. That's real. I mean, time is a construct of the human mind, but Wardini is a real place <laughs> that you is. should go to.
0: There's two real Wardinis, there are. in fact.
1: Well, technically there are three. There are there are the two bookstores, and then the great Wardini, of course. Yes, and
0: there's also, I guess, Wardini online. Mm-hmm. There's lots of Wardinis. This is exciting.
1: This is this is a start to the show. <laughs>
0: this is yeah, it's a version of a start.
1: <laughs> I'm Luke. I go it's, by he him.
0: <laughs> I'm Jill. I go by she her.
1: And uh, yep, this is us. We're just we're doing what we do.
0: Yeah, what uh, we're really good at.
1: Well, it's I mean a good segue is always Susie Dent. It is. I caught this. I th- it must have been sometime last week because I don't remember putting this down, but her word of the day from uh, from about halfway through November was. Circumbendibus.
0: Circumbendibus? Yeah, circumbendibus
1: from the 17th century. just
0: want to say, it sounds like um, a broomstick from Harry Potter, like the Nimbus 2000. It could be one of those. (laughs) Whoa, Harry,
1: you got the new Circumbendibus. Yeah. Are you going to catch the snitch on that what for young governor? (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: that's totally how they
1: spoke. Of course it is. Well, let's tell one of them, I think it was, uh, was it Seamus? Was he the one who spoke like that? I, can't I don't remember.
0: know. Didn't pay enough attention.
1: Anyway. I mean, honestly, that was more Oliver Twist or Charlie. Mm. The Chocolate I was going to say you've gone Harry back Potter.
0: a bit. Like Harry <laughs> Potter a bit more modern.
1: Uh, um, yeah, didn't you know I could time travel?
0: I do remember in fourth form. I mean, it was still called typing, but we had computers, so it wasn't right. just typing. Um, but it was like early computers well, you in my computers school. Back you then? Did Whoa. my brother did his typing on a typewriter? <laughs> I got a computer anyway because my teacher didn't really know what a computer did because she was a typewriting teacher. Right. So I spent most of fourth form typing during the numbers two thousand on Paint. It was bloody good. <laughs> just want to say
1: we. I heard. I'm fairly sure this is probably. Common knowledge, but I learned from because I've been watching a lot of QI recently.
0: Oh, my brother and my dad love that show. It's the best Are you were you show. watching the old with Stephen Fry or the new with what's her name?
1: Both. Okay. It depends on what episode. I feel like I, yep. I I usually look at the thumbnail and I just go yeah okay that one. Looks Do you good.
0: like the new woman doing yes. it? Yeah.
1: I think Sandy Toxvig was a was the. Correct choice yeah, I for mean, following up on Stephen Fry
0: I was expecting good things from her I just haven't seen any right. episodes With her and them But my dad and my brother were both very reluctant However they <laughs> love her as well
1: yep, She's really really good Definitely, Like I said the correct choice There are a lot of choices that they could there have were. Um, Interestingly I was watching the, um, the making of QI Basically how it hmm. was created And originally they wanted Michael Palin
0: well, I can't picture it with him
1: They could but he said no
0: I think that was a good call on his part yeah. for our sakes. Yeah,
1: he—I can't remember what his reason was, but he basically just said, i, I don't think I'd be able to do it,"
0: mm. which
1: shows really good self awareness on his part. Yeah, anyone with you know a lot of pride would say, "Oh, absolutely."
0: Yeah, and then probably and then it might not have Gone it. as
1: well. The original—the original episode. Uh, there was a clip of it showing, and before they had just the the klaxon, which they would go off behind me because it's not technically called a klaxon they addressed that in mm. one of the episodes where it's not actually called that, that's just a name that we call it yep. so I think it's related to the fact that Velcro isn't Velcro, it's called hook and loop
0: it is. Velcro is the company
1: that makes hook and loop.
0: Yeah, because in some sewing patterns, they'll say, get your hook and loop yes. tape. And I sit there going, what? What That's the right. hell are you talking it's, about?
1: It's Velcro. It's not yeah. Velcro.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's like Twink is not technically Twink. It's Whiteout. It's Twink Whiteout, is a company. Yeah. But, we,
1: but that was the company. That's what we called it. When I This goes into, I mean, I feel uncomfortable saying that because it, it's not really my word to say, you know, it's not something that I tend to say out loud very often. But when I first mentioned that, with uh, that was my phone, by the way. Yeah. I'm a professional broadcaster.
0: I'm not sure if it came through on the recording, but it made us both stop.
1: I It did. It really interrupted my flow. What was I? I
0: thought it was going to be about? my phone. I was like, how's it vibrating? It's <laughs> not even on vibrate.
1: So, anyway. Um,
0: You're talking about the Velcro and the Claxton and.
1: Right, yes. Um, so, I was speaking to some. Because uh, quite some years ago when I really got involved in the internet. I made friends with people in Canada, Canada America,
0: Canada,
1: and <laughs> Canadian. <Canada-y. laughs> and whoa, that was a noise. And sorry what about a, that. What have you done?
0: What uh, so just happened? The red lights weren't on, and we okay. were recording, which meant someone could walk in. So I plugged the right. plug back in, okay. and it made a buzz. Cool, it did. Yeah. Did
1: that come through on the recording? I don't yeah. know. This totally. is at least we're talking about <laughs> yeah. it. It's this, pretty sure it totally you never know mean. where the show is going to go, folks. It just kind no. of.
0: Do you reckon we'll ever let Luke finish his train of thought? So
1: I was talking to people <laughs> online, people overseas, mainly, from like
0: other countries, m- and from everything. other countries,
1: mainly from the US. Mm-hmm. And at one point, when they were talking about, oh yeah, we were talking about you know what they have and what we don't have, yep. like Doritos Cool Ranch. It's back here. We don't usually have it. It's the blue packet. It's a flavour.
0: Doritos contain uh, gluten so I can't eat yeah, any of right. them.
1: But you've got, you know, cheese yeah. flavor, salsa oh, flavor, all yes. that sort of stuff. But there's now a blue packet, it's cool ranch.
0: What is it like? Okay.
1: I, it's the best flavor, but my, no my, one can describe what flavor it my is. My
0: brain is thinking ranch, like what we would call a farm. And oh, I'm yeah. guessing did they mean ranch sauce?
1: I don't know. I, I forgot to look at the back of the packet to see what the actual ingredients are. Anyway. It's so probably we' probably a lot
0: of numbers, to be fair.
1: Yeah. So, yeah sody, Cloxy, Rominate or yeah.
0: something. And oh, so, just to just sidetrack oh once more. I'm Yuck. sorry, Luke. <laughs> go on. So I have an app on my phone that lets me look up the different numbers and different ingredients to see whether they're gluten-free or not. Oh, cool. And it is surprisingly educational mm. to look up the different numbers and go... I'm sorry, you're putting what in my food? And like, it might be gluten-free, but you sit there going, I don't know if I want to consume
1: that. For the gluten-free people in our audience who might get a lot of use out of this, what is the app called?
0: Uh, It's Celiac Australia, I think. It Mm -hmm. costs $10. Mm. However, you can put it on five devices, so you can share it with family members. It actually says share with friends and family who may cook with you. And I believe the cost is just a once if you get a new device, you can unhook one and oh, add another one. I see. Yeah, and it's got all the ingredients and then all the additives as well. And there's a whole big written bit, if you want to read it, as to why some things once contain gluten but now don't and how when they're processed they don't, right. which I did read. It was fascinating. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. so It has get, saved my bacon in the supermarket more than once. Yeah, well, and, you, you and it saved there. you
1: from bacon. Yeah,
0: you sit there and you're looking and you're like, this This. This is like chop, chop chicken. It's got a big gluten free. And right. you're looking through the numbers, and then like you get a bit bored. And then one last one you look at, it, you're like, oh nope, not right. gluten free. Okay,
1: so so they actively update it with the catalog of all these different yeah. brands and products.
0: oh that, well, you just look up the number if it's like one forty or five thirty or whatever, and oh, it just so tells there... you one what that is. So there are
1: little codes on yeah. these things. Where are they located?
0: Well, you know, on the ingredients list. Yeah, how it often says like colors and then a couple of numbers. Uh huh on my app, you look up those numbers and it tells you what that actually is and then if it's gluten-free. Wow. And there was one thing I looked up and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is poisonous. Googled it. It It's like (laughs) maybe gluten-free, but it's also a type of poison. So I put that back. Yeah. Crikey. It's very intriguing.
1: That's super cool. Mm -hmm. We've learned something today. Yep. So, anyway,
0: we're back on. Luke talked overseas people. Yeah,
1: yeah, we were talking about you know what we have, what they don't have, and they were going, "Oh my god, you don't have you know Taco Bell, IKEA, stuff like that." And they said, "They said, oh, you guys must have Whiteout, right?" And I said, "What?" And they went, "Are you serious?" And I said, "What does it do?" And they explained it to me, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's Twink." And they went, "Sorry, what?" Yeah. Say that again. And I went, "Yeah, it's called Twink." And they're like, "No, whoa, what?" And I said, "Okay, I think this is a situation where." You say Sharpie, we say vivid.
0: Yes, I was going to say that's like the vivid one we asked. That's right. When I was in India, I asked someone for a vivid and they're like, what? But they're either Canadian or American and they had no idea. I don't
1: know, like if you go Control B, it'll make it bold.
0: Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> but I had no idea how to explain what a vivid was because right. my brain was not connecting permanent marker it's a, it, yeah, to it's vivid. Like
1: marker, permanent marker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like,
0: it's not the felt, it's the next one up from felt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, it's like felt's big brother.
1: Uh, sure, okay. Yep.
0: Yeah, in my mind.
1: Call Miriam Webster. We'll let them know (laughs) that we've come up with the newest... Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my story. Oh, wait, we never so oh, yeah. so Oh yeah,
0: that word from Susie Dent that took us on a nine-minute yeah. sidetrack. Oh,
1: I love sidetracks. It's, so, do it's I. so much fun rather than being organised. Oh, even God. though,
0: imagine uh, if we had like a bullet-pointed list and we had to follow it oh, that'd and be so not boring. deviate.
1: It'd be so boring. I I've, don't think we could do it. I I spoke to this is, this is a little bit of um, you know blowing around trumpy here. A couple of people um, about a week and a half ago. Uh, someone said, "Oh, hey, how? When are you recording the next episode?" And I said, "Why?" And um, and they said, oh, "I I really look forward to it. I've been listening to it, and I've really been enjoying it." And I went,
0: "Oh." Sure
1: really tug my heartstrings when yeah. we're really happy, so uh, they know who they are. I think. Thank probably. you,
0: people that like to listen to yeah. us. Uh, we few, do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, a
1: few people online that I I'm in these Discord servers and we and I post them. I just say, yep, yeah, here you go. You know, if you want to yeah. listen to it, you don't have to. This because you can make little channels, and some of them are just called like promote yourself or shameless mm. self plug or stuff like that. Others are just like media you know, videos or whatever that you post. And I just throw it out there, like, new episode, if If, you feel like. If
0: you want to click, click. If you don't, click And I try to
1: hook them in with, you know, what we talk about. It's really useful because I no longer discard my notes. Yeah. Near the beginning, I would just delete them. But it's, now I've been putting them down into an old notes nice. section. Because then when they say, oh, what was that episode about? I'm like, well, it's titled this, but I don't know what we talked about. And
0: to be fair, by the end of the episode, when I have to title it half the time, I've completely forgotten mm-hmm. what we talk about. I'm like, oh, yep. let's put these words in. <laughs> see what happens.
1: So that, that 17th century term, circumbendibus, is an answer or an argument so convoluted and evasive that it isn't really an answer at all.
0: So almost every answer a politician gives.
1: <laughs> the whipping the whipping boy that we love to whip. Uh-huh. The politician. The poli-
0: and lawyers. A lot of lawyers, lawyers are incapable well, of a straight answer as well.
1: Yeah, unfortunately we need both.
0: We do. And the average person would suck at doing either job. You need people that are you need good to be at specialised. that specialized thing yeah. You know,
1: you need to be specialised in very different ways, but anyway.
0: Yeah, and you need to, a lot of them, they need that poker face, unlike me, who could give one out they'd like one look at my face, and be like, yeah, you're not telling us the whole mm-hmm. truth
1: there. <laughs> yeah, when you got your got your hands clasped and you're sort of wiggling <laughs> from back and like, yeah. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, or you got that, that gleeful look on your face, and they're like, oh, what's coming? She's <laughs> you happy. Al- you always
1: have a gleeful look on your face. That's why it's so hard to read.
0: I have an evil gleeful, apparently. Evil. And that's an how... evilful... Evil that was terrible. I don't... Yeah. No one laugh
1: at that. Don't no, me. I don't
0: think they did. I think they all just went, oh dear God.
1: <laughs> They've all switched off. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye Sarah. everyone. Thanks for
0: listening. <laughs> and that was a study in literacy. Yep. Yeah,
1: and that was the last we ever heard of you. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So that was... that was, Speaking of bullet points, that was our random banter. Uh, I'm yeah, pretty sure that I'm, covers... That is pretty much on know, every bullet point. It just sort of happens. Yeah. But you, you mentioned that you were uh, currently reading an... Autobiography
0: or biography? Um, autobiography by, by Wilbur Smith.
1: Wilbur Smith,
0: who r- died rest recently. In peace. Yeah, um, so very recently Wilbur Smith passed away. Uh, the news story I said, no, I said I didn't say it. Uh, read mm-hmm. said that the cause of death was at this stage unknown, and I was going to Google and look into Wilbur Smith more uh, to you know let people know more, but because I'm about two fifth. ...of the way through his autobiography, and it's really interesting. I kind of don't want any spoilers. (laughs) I mean, I know what happens. He writes books, and I've read a bunch of these books. However... But
1: these details. He's
0: writing about his life in such a fun way. I mean, his books are good. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, I did not know that his first few books were banned in South Africa. Wow. Where he's from. Uh Uh-huh. He's from Africa or South Africa? One of the two.
1: Okay.
0: And yeah, the books were banned there... um, Not for their violent content, which I personally think maybe that's why they should have been banned, but for their sexual content. Right. Uh, He said one book was basically banned for a sentence. Oh. Out of like this giant, well, giant-ish book. Um, But when they kind of, it kind of worked in his favor Mm -hmm. because there's all this talk about these books being banned. And so when people went to America or England... They'd buy some copies, bring oh, them back, share them around, and people were reading them that way. Right. Um, so it's very, very interesting. I always suspected that a lot of his books were written from experience, not just reading a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and figuring this might be mm-hmm. how it happened. And it turns out an awful lot of the stories are either like ones he's heard from his friends or village, or he's actually gone and done it. Wow. Or he just did it as a kid or whatever, and it's just it's, – it's really cool.
1: So, for those who don't know who Wilbur Smith is, what sort of material has he written?
0: I are, are there
1: notable works that you would go, oh,
0: hey, sorry. yeah, he's written. So, he's written the Courtney series, um, which starts with "When the Lion Feeds." I think I'm really terrible with book titles. I mean, like Courtney series, and he's written the Hector Cross trilogy. Okay. which was brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the violence in there, I was sitting there going, I oh, would not be able to watch that That's
1: the kind of violence that you think, I, th- you know, I wonder if he saw that happen. Yeah, some right. of the
0: scenes in there, I'm sitting there going, oh, this is too detailed to just <laughs> be made up, but I hope no one actually witnessed this. Right. Um, although I have a feeling one of them, he's vaguely explained how he actually saw it happen. I'm like, Jeez. Oh, wow. Um And he's written... There's an Egyptian series that I didn't like. Right. That was not cool. I just, I got confused with all the people because all their names are similar and I don't really like ancient Egypt anyway.
1: You're dead to me. Yeah,
0: whatever. <laughs> um, he's written The Sunbird.
1: The Sunbird. Um, which my
0: dad really loved and I read with high hopes because my dad loved it mm-hmm. and Wilbur Smith loved it. He says so in his autobiography. It's still perhaps his favourite work and I'm really sorry but I didn't like it.
1: Oh, that's a shame.
0: That was just... I mean, it was good. It was just, I felt quite long-winded and I didn't relate to the lead character. I thought he was an annoying little shithead. Right. So, mm. yep. Didn't feel sorry for him at all well, with um, what happened at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Wilbur Smith was born in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So these books are set a lot, like the Courtney series starts, I think the Boar War or something like that. There's gold mines and stuff like that in it. So oh. they are set a bit... Historical, some a bit more recent. He's mm-hmm. written a bunch of standalones. If you haven't read any Wilbur Smith, I recommend reading at least one. I would say, though, read the plots or the synopsis on the back to make sure it's the sort of book you right. like.
1: So he writes mainly, you know, set in reality. Yeah. And books.
0: I'd say they're like action thrillers, non
1: fiction, non fiction or fiction? Fiction. Okay.
0: Fiction, but usually based around fact. I see. Um, but yeah, it's not something that actually has happened. Yeah. Although it may be based on stories and whatnot yeah. that have happened. I saw
1: this I saw this happen once, but it was in a different context. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um like the Hector Cross ones, Hector Cross is like a ex something. I don't think he is SAS, but something like that, and he now works as security for an oil field mm-hmm. and then someone targets the top oil field, like the dude that he works for and murders him and then tries to murder the wife. And so it's this whole thriller thing of trying to catch the bad guy. Wow. But it's not a real story. However, some of the stuff that happens in the book has probably actually happened. And Been it's, informed by yeah, relevance. and it's stuff that you read and you're like, yeah, I could see this happening. It's not so <laughs> unbelievable that you go, right? Nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go, Will Smith. Yeah. So, how long ago did he die? Like a month ago? Because I think I saw he died. A notice about it
0: last week.
1: Oh, but I'm just
0: saying recently, in case people listen to this, yeah, yeah, not yeah. this time. So he died in November 2021. Wow. Yep.
1: Well, he's hoping his – because usually when uh, an author is pretty high profile, when they die, usually book sales go up.
0: (laughs) I did have a laugh, though, at the Lions book sale in the weekend. There are two people I overheard that made me laugh. One was a lady who was saying that she'd only ever read Wilbur Smith's Courtney series – and now that he was dead, she's going to stock up and read all his other works. And I inwardly chuckled and thought they're not all the same. And I'm not sure you're going to like the mass gang rape scenes and oh, hiked across. But Lord. you know, good on ya. Well, she's an older lady, so some <laughs> for a shock. Oh, that's raunchy. Yeah, goodness me. And the other person that made me laugh on a total separate note it was this. Oh, I would have said he was like in his early twenties, maybe mm-hmm. mid twenties. And I'm um, really excited to someone that looked like like a mum or a you know, aunt or something like that. It's like I'm only up to ninety five dollars and I've got six tables to go. And I was like, oh my, wow. like how are you going to read all of this? And then I thought maybe it's the only time per year he's allowed to buy books. Yeah, and they yeah, it. and there might be a limit of price that he can go up to. Well, or maybe something they,
1: maybe they're out of town. Maybe maybe they yeah maybe they don't have. Uh, um, like a second hand bookstore like Yeah. yeah. That, wherever the heck they live.
0: Yeah, and I mean they are really good deals if you're willing to search through the books. I was yeah. quite restrained and I only bought eight or nine. <laughs> which for me is very restrained and I didn't go back again on the Sunday. So I'm proud.
1: Well, in terms of um stuff that I've been um since we're talking about, you know, books that we've taken an interest in, I've found the Culture Series
0: Hmm. by
1: Ian M. Banks. Yeah. It's a science fiction author. Ooh. And I haven't read any of the stuff yet. I have access to them. A friend of mine has um, them in
0: um, digital form. Oh, yeah, digital.
1: And the premise behind it is quite interesting. It's a post-scarcity society. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, apparently N.M. Banks looked at the Federation from Star Trek and said, this is ridiculous, that's not how it would work at all. And he decided that he would do it better.
0: I like ones like that.
1: And so the way that this works is that there are benevolent AI mm-hmm. that run everything, and it's an entire society, it's called the culture, and everything's great. It's a utopia. Yep. Uh and the drama often comes from alien races. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like the contact division where mm-hmm. they you know, talk to other alien races. But the book that I've been most recommended by Ian M. Banks is called Accession.
0: Accession.
1: And it involves what's called an outside context problem. Okay. Which was super interesting. One, it sounds interesting. Yeah, it does. So an outside context problem, if you don't know, which by your reaction, you don't.
0: I have no idea.
1: Because I didn't know what it was either. So I looked it up. I saying,
0: I probably know what it is, just I don't That's know That's why you don't name. know that. That's the
1: name. Yeah. So um, the way that it's defined is that most societies only encounter this once,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: makes it even more interesting, right? It's yep. not a common occurrence. So the example is that, say you are a collection of tribes on a fertile island and you've tamed the land, you've conquered other people or you've enslaved them or you've formed a society with them. Um, You have food, you can feed yourself, you can clothe yourself, you can do all this sort of stuff as a society. And then a ship comes onto the horizon and it's made of iron. And you've never seen this before. You've never used iron before. Everything you've got is made out of wood. That's an outside context problem because suddenly you have no idea what is this. You have no comprehension for what it is. But
0: then going forward, once you learn what it is, you yeah. will know what it is.
1: So the accession is a thing in this story, mm-hmm. and it's like a perfect black sphere mm-hmm. that just appears in the galaxy, and the culture goes, "What the? F- huh? What was what, that? What is that?" And so they go, and apparently the b- the book opens with a ship trying to escape from it. It goes and checks it out, and then as it's leaving, the accession is shooting at it.
0: Oh wow!
1: And so it's trying this ship because all of the ships are uh, they're pretty much all sentient, and some of the books in the series are entirely like in the in the format of almost like emails between these <laughs> ships sending messages to each other including like headers as oh, well I love it. in the emails and they're all called really ridiculous names um, i think Did one the of the ships
0: name themselves of this yeah yep
1: yeah. and i think one of them is called like the frank exchange of everything Mm-hmm. And so it's probably shortened to like, hey, Frank, or something like that. And they communicate with each other. And so the book opens with this ship escaping from the accession, whatever this thing is, shooting at it. And as it gets destroyed, it, the ship that's escaping is like the size of a car, right? Yeah. And then. It gets destroyed, and so it very quickly loads all of itself and what it knows into a smaller ship and shoots that out. Yeah. <laughs> and then that gets destroyed, and it loads no. it into an even smaller ship, and no. it goes, Dah.
0: Does it get out?
1: <laughs> and, yeah, it's de- you know it's trying to get back, and it's like, oh, my God, there's this crazy thing. Yeah. And they are trying to stop this other civilization called the Affront. And I, I was watching a live stream today with someone talking about this, And have you ever seen Gremlins? Yeah. So he was talking about how what the civilization is like. They're very brutish, they're very dense, you know, physically Mm -hmm. dense creatures. And they are very brutal, but -hmm. they're also very joyous. Yeah. And the culture is like, yeah, you guys are really like uncivilized, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to make relations with you and and Mm things like that. And someone mentioned so I mentioned, so they're like they're like gremlins, and he said, "Yeah, they're basically like woohoo, <laughs> let's kill it!" Like that's the sort of thing, you know? They love torture and violence, We're but they're still very, love the gremlins. but they're very excited by yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, that accession is about what happens mm. when these two civilizations and there's this thing that no one knows what it is, yeah. at all. And the culture is the most advanced civilization in the whole galaxy, and they don't know what it is. And so that's super interesting to me. It
0: sounds very intriguing. <laughs>
1: because it's sort of like what would happen if, um, you know, with everything that humans know. Yeah. If something turned up and we went, we have no way to measure this. We don't know what because it is. Because we
0: think we know We think we every... know quite a bit. Yeah.
1: We think we know quite a bit. But yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And I really want to read the culture series now because there's other stories. There's one called The Player of Games or something. Because in a post-scarcity society, if you're hungry, boop boop boop, machine creates yeah. food for you. You don't need to worry about it. So a lot of people turn to entertainment, yeah, art, theater, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's this one guy he's known as a game master,
0: Ooh. which
1: immediately got my attention. Yep. Uh, and he basically he's really good at playing games. Mm. And there's all sorts of game masters. You know, you could be the game master of chess, checkers, and Ludo. I don't know. And this guy is really good at games, and the culture, uh, one, of their, one of the branches of the government, I guess, approaches him and says, hey, we've made contact with this, with this other civilization, and we have an embassy, but we can't really connect with them because their entire culture is based on this one game that mm-hmm. they play, and you're unbelievably good at games. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's super famous. People show up to see how he, how he does. People challenge mm-hmm. him. And so they recruit him mm-hmm. to learn how to play this game so that they can successfully make contact yep. with this civilization. <laughs> Which is a super interesting premise. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Culture Series by Ian M. Banks. I like it. Yeah, Accession. Every, everyone I is talk there-
0: to... An order that you need to read the books, or can that's, you kind of come in and out?
1: That's something that is disputed, I think. There's some people, probably the the Puritans of the of the fandom, mm. who say you need to read them in the order they came out. Um, I don't think there's really much of an
0: order to them. I wonder if there's like a subplot, because I remember
1: I don't when I is. started
0: reading Nalini Singh's Psy Changeling series, mm-hmm. and someone said to me, Oh, you can read them in whatever order. Right. Because they all tell individual stories, which they do. Yeah, I give them that. And it was fine reading them in and out. I got a bit lost in some of the stuff happening Mm -hmm. in the background. However, one day I sat down and read all the ones I have in the right order Oh my god! It made such it a difference. Things, it right. totally changed things, and it changed some of the individual stories ah. because when you just jump into that world, you don't have any of the history. And there's some that I was just like, oh, I get why no one's like okay with this. And then right. you read an earlier one, it's like, oh nope, now I get why everyone's <laughs> a bit sketchy about whether it's going to last. And
1: yeah, as far as I know, the culture series you can read it in any order, but every now and then you'll come across, oh hey, that was mentioned in that book. This yeah, event. the cross reference. Yeah, yeah, there's like a reference somewhere, but. You don't really need to read in any order. Apparently, um, because the culture, you know, the the player of games, that might not appeal to someone, but it might appeal to someone else. Uh, You know, accession really appeals to me. I love that kind of sci-fi where it's that cosmic level, unknowable Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but someone else might say, eh, whatever. I,
0: I think care. player of games sounds more interesting than accession.
1: Yeah, see, exactly, right there. I really yeah. like accession. player of games. Take it or leave it.
0: Yeah, see, I think that sounds so fascinating. Yeah. There's a game that someone has to learn how to play so that they can talk to each other. Yeah. I'd be down for it's, that. I don't
1: think it's like a communication thing. It's to no. do with, like, how, you know, social media's a part yeah. of our culture.
0: Yeah, you have to learn something. That's
1: right. I'm, so there's a bit if, of trust You know, an alien them. civilization comes here and... For us to accept them as <laughs> diplomatic relations, they have to learn how to use Facebook.
0: <laughs> oh my God, the world's doomed. The world's doomed. The world's doomed.
1: Um. So yeah. Oh,
0: randomly on Ooh. games, just because I've so I've had this. Well, you know me; a, I want to talk about games all the time. Yeah, it's called a crazy tantrix that I got off my grandma when she passed away, and I've been trying to do it for his, even when she owned it. And mm-hmm. the premise: you've got these little hexagonal tiles; There's twelve of them. And they've got four different colours, and you've got to make two loops of two different colours using all those tiles. Okay. Have not been able to achieve it in, like, my entire life. Today, right. I googled the answer. There's only one answer. Of course there is. That, like...
1: That's how most puzzles work, yeah? No, they've only got a one way to... A
0: lot of problem puzzles. There's a lot of different ways to do it. <laughs> and this one, it's like, I thought there would be a solution for each of the, like the combinations. So there's red, green, blue, and yellow. And I thought, oh, there'll be a red and green, a red and yellow, a red and blue, kind oh, of I green see. and yellow. Right. There's not, there's only one answer oh. and it's blue and yellow. And that's it. Rude. And I was just like, when I saw the answer, I was just like, oh, You're kidding me!
1: Wasted half my life.
0: I always assumed that blue and yellow weren't the easy two, so I've been concentrating on red and green.
1: Turns out blue and yellow are the only
0: two. The only two. (laughs) Oh, I was not happy. So I completed it, took a photo on my phone. I'm going to demolish it and try and do it again. You're going to demolish. And then I'm going to try and do it again. Okay. Until I can do it.
1: Just you know. Behind your back, or I just—I
0: just like logic puzzles and problem solving and stuff. God, I
1: hate puzzles mainly because I'm just so horrendous at them. Yeah,
0: I just stick at it. There's one that I got from the book sale that I was getting very frustrated with. I tell my brother it was impossible, and then like two seconds later, I got it out. I was like, nah, I just got it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: (laughs) my uh, I think um, I think it was my dad had uh, some of those old um, combinations of metal rings and things that you've got to get them into a certain shape or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a cube eraser that you can pull apart and then put mm-hmm. back together, which is actually quite fun. That's cool. Yeah. Oh,
1: I remember the first time I referred to an eraser as a rubber because that's just what we Yeah, I it. never got it. And it was to uh, it was to one of my US friends. I said, oh, yeah, my, my – because we, we we were talking about, you know, imaginary friends, things yeah. we did as a kid. And I said, oh, yeah, I collected pencils. I had a pencil collection. My sister collected rubbers. And they went, <laughs> how old was she? And I said, I don't know, like six – he went, what? And I said, what are you <laughs> – What huh? do you think of And me? I didn't get it for no. a moment. And then he said, "Well, why was she collecting rubbers?" And I went, oh, "Of course."
0: I remember <laughs> at school when everyone kept going, "Oh, you can't call them rubbers anymore." And I never, I didn't get it for ages. I never called
1: them it, yeah.
0: And then, like one day, it clicked. I was like, "Oh, that's why I can't call them yeah. rubbers." Yep, yeah, it's all right. It's it takes me a while to click on things, uh, so. The Eagles Hotel California. You know the line, you can check out, but you can never leave. Uh-huh. Finally worked out what that meant this year. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. You can get high.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, I never it's knew. From,
1: well, was it from 80s or 90s?
0: 80s. And 80s? 90s. You know Yeah.
1: But what made
0: me laugh is the amount of times I thought, whenever I heard that line, I was like, it doesn't even make sense. They must have been so stoned when they wrote it. And I never clicked that that's what they meant by it.
1: I heard a great story very recently about um, the Beatles meeting, I think, Bob Dylan. And apparently the Beatles, you know, they're in their 20s. Mm. And they're... Um, drug of choice was alcohol. They would yeah. just drink beer.
0: I mean it was easy to access at twenty. And
1: apparently and apparently I think it was Ringo Starr came out because they were gonna meet Bob Dylan for the first time. They were like, oh my God, we're gonna meet Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and Ringo Star comes out of the bathroom and he says, Bob Dylan's got so much weed in there <laughs> and he just had some some weed <laughs> I love it. And so everyone's like, what's it like? And he's like well the ceiling's coming down pretty far right now. <laughs>
0: You know, really, ain't it? Yeah.
1: So I've got I've got a little bit of a little bit of planned stuff. This mm-hmm. was we are going to cover this. Um...
0: Oh, I have one quick question. while I think. Oh about. yeah. Have you seen or have you been able to see June yet? June. Yeah, is it out
1: yet? Oh, June. Right. Um, it is coming out like December third, which really so upsets close. me. It's so close. But I'm 100% going to go... I could have go, sworn
0: it was coming out in November. I, it
1: was, it was going to be coming out in October, but yeah. then you know, the event is <laughs> happening. Stuff so, happens. Um, are, you, are you still keen on? Yeah. On awesome. Because I really want to... I want to get like a Chromecast or something and use the fancy TV we have at home <gasps> to watch the original oh, yes. 1984 one yes. before we go out and watch yep. the yep. new one. Because I think it would just be really interesting...
0: It'd be nice to compare.
1: You know, not even just just to compare, but to experience it and see, you know, David Lynch did this. Denis Villeneuve did this. Because a lot of things in 1984 Dune, people who have read Dune go, that's not how that
0: works. (laughs) But it's interesting how people interpret stuff. Because Will Smith says in his autobiography, he's got a whole chapter on Hollywood, Mm because a bunch of his books had the film rights optioned. And Ah. so, and some were even made into movies and some he helped with. And... Hearing the author's perspective of how a movie goes is quite yeah. it was interesting. But even knowing that he wasn't the biggest fan of his books as the movies they ended up as, mm-hmm. I still want to try and track down, if possible, was from like the 80s or the 70s. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're still even around, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to hunt down and try and find some. Cool. If well, I can.
1: Honestly, about, about Dune... The the thing that I'm most excited about is that once um once w- you've seen Dune, I'll be able to talk about it more, and you'll yeah. know what the hell I'm on about. Yeah.
0: I still <laughs> want to read the book as well, though, but I'm going to wait till after I see the movie yep, for that. Yep.
1: Let me know, and I've got the book, and yeah, I can lend it to you. I'm going to
0: hit you up. That's where I got it from. <laughs> I got it from Wardini. Anyway. I need to go to Wardini's. I haven't been for ages. <laughs> oh, it's also... Like- withdrawal symptoms
1: um also brave new world i think we've mentioned before aldous huxley's brave new Mm -hmm. world there was a 2020 tv show
0: that i've just started
1: watching watched the first episode yesterday it's pretty cool awesome i quite like it it's got uh it's got a few familiar faces demi moore is in it Mm. um harry lloyd i think his name was he plays bernard one of the main characters and uh, it's got a little bit of an update over the original. It's got... It, in it, it's got what's called the Savage Lands. Uh, and it's a lot less racist in the show than it was oh, in the that's book. Good. That's well, not so much because the whole book was about how horrendous yeah. this society has become. So it's not exactly racist, but there's a lot of racist overtones. Like, oh dear, that's... You look at yeah. it and you don't want to touch it with a stolen 10-foot at pole. At least,
0: like... <laughs> I know people get all up in arms about how bad books used to be about that sort of stuff, but in my mind, it just shows how far we've come oh, yeah. that that was okay then and we can now look at it and go, yeah, probably not ideal. Right. You yep. could have done better if you did yep. it now.
1: And this show, it, um, rather than – because the, the Savage Lanes, I think they called it something different in the book. I, I say they, he, hold us, yep. Called it something different in the book where the New Londoners – You know, they're in this perfect society. They take SOMA. Basically, they repress emotions with drugs. Hmm. Which is why when people say, oh, this world is becoming 1984, I go, no, it's not. It's more Brave New World. (laughs) Correct, you know, surveillance and everything yeah. that was also in Brave New World, but what do people do when they feel upset? They go on the internet, they play yep. games, they drink alcohol, they take yep. drugs, they do everything they can to not feel.
0: Yeah, they get out or disconnect as much That's as possible. Right. And
1: it's a socially accepted thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there are elements of 1984, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, so in in this, the um, the savages, as they called them in the book, were basically like... Mexicans, Native Americans, and they're on like this reserve where this where the the society people, you know, the mm. the, the the propers, uh, you know, beta pluses and alphas and alpha pluses, it's all very rigid class based society. They go there and they view it like it's a zoo, like it's an amusement park. They're like, Oh, look at the savages, how they live. And so it was like that in the book. In the show, they've updated it to basically be like hillbillies. Yeah. And they, I haven't explored it very far because I've only seen the first episode, but uh, it's definitely more like an amusement park. It's got a big thing like Savage Lands. Oh, and the people there, they are basically living like regular everyday people now in our modern day. You know, they're just trying to make an honest living, but they all live on this amusement park, and their entire reason for living and being kept alive, they're in this big like force field dome. Um, is to entertain these people by uh, putting on these acts because Brave New World is about the main tenets of it are no monogamy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which which is a super radical idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, because the way that they say it, they say it's selfish. If you're only with one person, why aren't you sharing them? Why aren't you sharing yourself? (laughs) You're being selfish, and that is an
0: interesting argument to take.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what a wild society, right? And so, and then you know, whenever you're whenever you're upset or anything, they say, "Oh, take a soma, you'll feel better, dear." And it's just no normal part of society. They have like little clickers. This This is their interpretation in the show. If everyone's got this little clicker, which is like a Pez dispenser, basically,
0: yeah, and it's
1: got these little candy things in yeah. it, and these different colours, He's like oh, you, um, right at the beginning, you've got one of the characters, Lenina. She is offered some soma on like a little tiny teaspoon, mm-hmm. and this counselor guy has like a big rack, like a like you'd see in a candy store, and he pours one and She says no thanks, and then at the end of what he talks to her about, she says um. Could I, could I have one, please? Because she's feeling mm-hmm. very overwhelmed. And he says, oh, and he goes over to get one. And she says, no, no, and points. And he goes, oh, an orange one. Mm. And I'm just like, what the
0: fuck? What, what, what so does, does it mean? mean?
1: It means that the orange one is obviously stronger. And so there's different strengths yeah. of what's called soma. And that's the drug that everyone takes.
0: It's interesting. It's
1: super, super interesting. In the first episode, there's, um, it's got all the hallmarks of what you would expect in one of these utopia slash dystopia mm-hmm. things. You know, people want to rise up, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But something crazy happens in the first episode, so there isn't much of a spoiler, but it's super interesting how they approach it. This counsellor is called over to this area, and one of these lower-level people says... um, you know, Bernard says, what, it, what is this incident? Why did I have to come down here? Why is, why is it that serious? And he said, um, um, And the dude's super confused. He says, I, I think you'll just have to see it. Because every, he's totally. And Bernard's like, all, all right, something really weird has happened. And he's just, you know, happy, chapping along because he's had his soma and everything's right. <laughs> Nothing's ever terrible. Just take no. some soma. Why would you? Why would you want to be unhappy? What a strange thing. And then he turns up and someone has killed themselves. They've thrown themselves from a great height. And they face out and he flips them over and, you know, they're all streaked mm-hmm. with, with blood and everything. And everyone around is like, <gasps> like shocked that anyone would do this. And so he hands out all of the soma and says, oh, oh there's much gosh. better places to be. Why spend it here? And oh, the, wow. It's a lovely day. Why spend it here? And then they'll go, oh, thank you very much, counselor And they just wander off. And then he goes up and you can see he's totally confused. And he picks a like a grapefruit from a tree. And he leans over this balcony, and he's looking very. And he holds out the grapefruit <laughs> and drops it, like as if like it hadn't occurred to him what how gravity works. And then he goes back down. And he says, "The grapefruit is all smushed," and he's like scratching his head, like, "What?" Huh? <laughs> and it really shows what sort of society this is. Yeah. You know, why would you do that? You know, everyone's so happy all the time.
0: Maybe he ran out.
1: Maybe something happened. Yeah. And that's like the inciting incident where he starts to realize, hmm, this place. Yeah.
0: And I mean, just taking. Cover up drugs does not actually yeah. fix a problem.
1: It's super interesting story. I really yeah. like it. So I'll report back after yes, I've seen more episodes. Definitely. Um, but there's also a 1998 film of Brave New World, which I will also watch to see how a how film adaptation went.
0: I feel like a TV series can dive deeper. I agree. Yeah. Than a film.
1: And they can have cliffhangers, and I love cliffhangers. Yeah. I used to hate cliffhangers, but now because I'm a GM of a D and D game, I understand why cliffhangers exist.
0: <laughs> I am a fan of cliffhangers as long as the viewer can watch the next episode when they want to.
1: As long as a, and as long as there's an actual payoff
0: yeah and i mean i don't mind having a cliffhanger and then going to bed and not watching the next one for a few days right. but back when you had to wait like six to eight months for the because <laughs> it was the end of the season that
1: or weekly episodes yeah
0: that weekly's fine as well but it's the big oh, gap between yeah. seasons because it's like you forget what's happening and well, whatnot and it's like i am not a fan of those <laughs> cliffhangers I,
1: I do know a few people who say oh yeah i'm gonna watch it but i'm gonna wait until it's done yeah so that i, I can tend binge to do it, that which is another thing that really confuses me you know Know, maybe I'm too young to be saying this, but maybe it shows my age. I'm far too young to be saying that, but maybe it shows my age that I go, why not wait for the next season? Why why binge? I don't understand. Oh, see, binging. I wouldn't. I
0: wouldn't wait for a whole season, like for the next season to right. be done. But I would wait for the whole season to go, and it's and not then so, watch the
1: whole season all at once. It's
0: not so I can binge it, so that if I want to watch two or three episodes right. and a go. And then wait a yeah, week, yeah. I can. I yeah. don't want to be limited to one episode at a time.
1: Mm. But yeah, I've met, I've met people who say, no, I'm going to wait until... All of yeah. the seasons are done no. and that there's been an announcement that that's and it. And then
0: they binge and the then whole then they're going to
1: watch the whole thing all but at once. what if
0: you don't like it? And it re-
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's like they haven't considered that.
0: Oh, my God. And the thing is, so I'm finding more, maybe it's my age, but I'm finding more and more that watching more than about two episodes at a time ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. I kind of get to a point where it's just like, oh. No, I want, I want to think about this. I want to process yeah. it. I want to think about the, the emotions and the things well, that well, characters going through. that's why you just through.
1: watch it again, Jill. That's what all these that's other why, normal people That's why do. I buy
0: it on DVD <laughs> and i watch those ones again, although it's getting harder to find shows on DVD.
1: It is. It's harder to find DVD. <laughs> it's
0: harder to find CDs as well. Oh, Jeez.
1: yeah. So on, in terms of our sort of planned... This is just just yep. something that I found super interesting um, from Emily Temple. It's Emily again. It's Emily from, from Lit Hub. Uh We have the origin of a well-known and sometimes maligned writing cliche. Ooh,
0: and tell me more.
1: we're sort of coming off the off the heels of of you know October, yeah. So it's. Sort of mm-hmm. dark and spooky, or dark and stormy, one might say. Mm-hmm. It was a dark and stormy night. Mm. And Emily dives into the origins of this phrase.
0: Interesting. So
1: of this phrase, uh, Zachary Petit once put to Writer's Digest that it was, quote, the literary poster child for bad story starters, which I think is pretty much the cliche that people have. They they see it was a dark and stormy night, and they go, ah. Oh. But
0: like Once Upon a Time, if it's not a fairy story, time, don't use it. You know,
1: uh, Gal- Galaxy Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars was able to flip that a little bit.
0: Yeah. In a galaxy far, far yeah, that's away. that's right.
1: Um, so here at, stud- at A Study in Literacy, of course, we, we've got curious bones. And when I saw this article pop up from Emily, my bones got curiouser, I guess. Uh, she says that common internet wisdom, which you should always question, by the way, always yep. question the common wisdom. Be ready to accept that it is true, but always question yep. it.
0: And often try and find more than one source that yes. says the same thing.
1: That's right. Yep. Uh, the, so the common internet wisdom points to an 1830 novel, which is a lot older than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. named Paul Clifford by Edward Bulwer-Lytton, a story about the titular character who leads a double life as a criminal and an upscale gentleman, as the mm. book description puts it. And the opening to the story goes, quote, It was a dark and stormy night. The rain fell in torrents, except at occasional intervals, when it was checked by a violent gust of wind which swept up the streets, for it is London that our scene lies. Rattling along the rooftops the housetops sorry and fiercely agitating the scanty flame of the lamps that struggled against the darkness
0: I like that uh,
1: so Emily says what you might be thinking holy adjectives Edward <laughs>
0: uh,
1: which makes me go oh hi hi Howard yeah. Howard Phillips Lovecraft how's it going with all of your <laughs> with all of your lack of punctuation yeah uh, so the common internet wisdom as Emily puts it that This is the origin of such melodramatic, overwritten prose Mm -hmm. is indeed simply an example of such prose. Because in 1982, San Jose State University English professor Scott Rice founded the Bulwer-Lytton Fiction Contest, which is quite fun, where Mm -hmm. entrants are challenged to, quote, write an atrocious opening sentence (laughs) to the worst novel ever written.
0: (gasps) This sounds like an interesting literacy competition. Well...
1: Stu Duvall of Auckland, New Zealand Woo! was the 2021 winner. Wow. So, congratulations, Stu. Yeah, congrats. Uh, out of around 4,500 entries. Wow. And we got, not we, New Zealand, New Zealand got, got it. it. Woo! A uh, little bit of literary patriotism there. <laughs> uh, their opening, of course, I shall read in a suitably pompous and uh-huh. over dramatic tone. Please do. A lecherous sunrise flaunted itself over a flatulent sea, ripping the obsidian bodice of night asunder with its rapacious fingers of gold, thus exposing her dusky bosom to the dawn's ogling stars. That's
0: so bad. How awful! Oh man! I
1: can see why it won. Right?
0: Yeah. I'm impressed that Stu had the nerve to put that on paper. Her
1: dusky bosom.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh, so, other entrants included such a work as this from Paris resident Louise Taylor. Quote It was a dark and stormy morning. Gotcha. This is just the first of innumerable twists and turns that you, dear reader, will struggle to keep abreast of as I unfold my tale of adventure as second plumber aboard the hapless SS Hot Dog during that fateful summer of 1974.
0: <laughs> it is not good either. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's bad, which is good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get why it gets a mention, yeah. but oh, I don't think I'd be finishing either of those two books.
1: There's <laughs> Professor Rice has said of the phrase, Dark and Stormy Night, the lion has been around for donkey's ears before Lytton decided to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article uh, from LitHub points to an 1809. So this is wow. before the 1830 novel, yeah. 1809 satirical book, A History of New York by Washington Irving. You can't you couldn't find a more American name no. than someone who's Washington.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Um, who, while not using it as an opening line, still utilizes it at least one um, it at one point during the book. Quote, it was a dark and stormy night when the good Antony arrived at the creek, sagely denominated Harlem River, which separates the island of Manahatta from the mainland. So there's a mention of dark and stormy night. So we don't know if Irving is the first person to string those cliche words words together, together, but its existence in an 1809 book points at the very least to the existence of such a phrase prior to that date.
0: I mean... It would be hard to be a light and stormy night. Yeah. If it's stormy and nice, it's well, obviously it could, dark. you know, the
1: storm could be so lightning filled that it brightens up the... But it
0: still disappears again.
1: It was a bright and stormy night. <laughs> it was a bright and happy daytime. Yep. And and Jill the friend tornado went strolling down.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So we mustn't talk about this competition, of course, without giving credence to Henry Lutton Cobbold, the great great-great-grandson of Edward Bulwer-Lytton, who stepped up in 2008 saying to The Guardian, quote, Bulwer-Lytton was a remarkable man, and it's rather unfair that Professor Rice decided to name the competition after him for entirely the wrong reasons. He was a great champion of the arts and made such a huge difference to people in all walks of life. He was a politician, writer, playwright, and a philosopher. To have been the first person to have penned a cliché was, was a mark of genius, So a little bit of, Mm -hmm. very defensive. Yeah. Scott Rice's response is a particularly amusing reversal, saying to Susan Campbell of the Chicago Tribune, quote, The ironic thing is, if Bulwer had a phobia, it was being made fun of. He thought he was an artiste, capital A. Artists have special privileges. They don't have to follow the rules like the rest of us. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So usage of this collective conglomeration of conversational cliche has been used in such works uh, and as Madeleine Langell's A Wrinkle in Time, Ooh, yep. uh, which UK editions revised to It Was a Dark and Stormy Night in a Small Village in the United States. Uh-huh. We have Ray Bradbury's Let's All Kill Constance. Edgar Allan Poe, in his 1832 short story The Bargain Lost, has the phrase present, It was a dark and stormy night, the rain fell in cataracts, and drowsy citizens started from dreams of the deluge to gaze upon the boisterous sea which foamed and bellowed for admittance into the proud towers and marble palaces. Mm-hmm. One that you may recognise. Who else but Neil Gaiman? Also in Good Omens. Of
0: Course,
1: as you may, as, as, as like I yeah. say, you may know, it wasn't a dark and stormy night. It should have been, but there's, the, but there's the weather for you. Yep. For every mad scientist who's had a convenient thunderstorm just on the night his great work is complete and lying on the slab, there have been dozens who have sat around aimlessly under the peaceful stars while Igor clocks up the overtime.
0: <laughs> I did remember enjoying that when I read what it. What a great line! I know.
1: Uh, And for something familiar to the both of us, there is a chapter in Andre Dumas's 1844, The Three Musketeers, where, as translation that Emily has, reads, quote, It was a dark and stormy night. Vast clouds covered the heavens, concealing the stars. The moon would not rise much before midnight. No. Which I quite like that.
0: I quite like that, too. Um, It's very fitting.
1: Yeah. So we mentioned Susan Campbell earlier. I want to end on this. And there is much more that she was able to reveal, according to Campbell. Professor Rice contacted Charles Schultz, who you may know as the creator of the famous Peanuts, starring everyone's favorite red Baron fighting dog. Uh, Creator, um, sorry the the dark and stormy night phrase pops up most famously to some readers as being the opening to every single novel that Snoopy writes.
0: Is it? Yep. Uh,
1: The phrase began popping up in July 1965 and became a popular running gag, so much so that it became its own book in 1971, with the comic (laughs) strips being collected in their own little uh, anthology. When contacting the creator, Professor Rice wanted to ask about the usage of the phrase, and Schultz responded, explaining, quote, that he didn't know the phrase he appropriated for Snoopy's thwarted attempts at literature was specific to any one author. He used it only because it was a standard pot-boiler opener that was always out there. And if you would like, as we end a study in literacy, I have the completed text of Snoopy's writing, which is in a very small two parts. (laughs) (laughs) It was a dark and stormy night. Suddenly, a shot rang out. A door slammed. The maid screamed. Suddenly, a pirate ship appeared on the horizon. While millions of people were starving, the king lived in luxury. Meanwhile, on a small farm in Kansas, a boy was growing up. Part two. A light snow was falling, and the little girl with the tattered shawl had not sold a violet all day. At that very moment, a young intern at City Hospital was making an important discovery. The mysterious patient in room 213 had finally awakened. She moaned softly. Could it be that she was the sister of the boy in Kansas who loved the girl with the tattered shawl, who was the daughter of the maid who had escaped from the pirates? And so the ranch was saved.
0: Oh my gosh, what a novel.
1: Thank you for listening to A Study in Literacy, proudly sponsored by Waldini Books. I have been Luke.
0: I'm still Jill.
1: (laughs) Go read some Peanuts.
0: Yeah, have fun on this dark and stormy night. It's not dark and stormy, or night.
1: (laughs) Imagine people complexly and take care.
0: Bye.